Today, on Easter Sunday, I want to begin with all of you a brand new message series that we have called Find Your Life Again. And why do we call this new series Find Your Life Again? It's because maybe you've found that in the past two years of this pandemic, you feel like maybe you've lost something. Maybe you feel like you've lost some hope. Maybe some unexpected and very difficult things have happened to you. And as a result, you've lost your faith, some of it or even all of it. Maybe you find that you've lost in the past two years a sense of direction, a sense of you know, joy, a sense of you know, purpose in your life. Maybe you find that the passion that you used to have is gone. Maybe this past couple of years, you've lost someone you love or a relationship that was there is no longer there today. And see, how do you get your life back together when you feel like you've lost something big? See, that's what we're talking about in the series called Find Your Life Again. You're speaking of trying to find something that I'd lost. 20 years ago, I was the best man at the wedding of one of my closest friends. And I remember I rented a tuxedo from one of Vancouver's classiest suit companies. And I went to the wedding on that day, about an hour before everyone's getting ready. I go up to the groom, my friend who's getting married, and he said, hey, JB, it's good to have you here. Since you're the best man, I want to give you two rings. These are the wedding rings we're going to use for our wedding ceremony. So all I have to do is take good care of the rings, and at the time when I need it, give me the rings. I'm like, no problem. Being a best man is easy. So I take these two rings, I put them into my inner breast pocket, I leave them there. And because I think I'm you know, quite a conscientious and responsible kind of guy, every two minutes I'll be checking, oh, are the rings there? Yeah, yeah. Are the rings there? Yeah, I'll be feeling myself here. I don't normally do that, but I'm just feeling myself here every two minutes, just check the rings are there. About 10 minutes before the wedding is about to start, I check myself here and I'm like, what? I can't feel the rings. And I, I put my hand in the pocket, I'm like, I, I, I can't see the, I can't find the rings. I, I, I scrunch the pocket. I, mean, I, I can't feel the rings. I look briefly in the pocket. I can't see the rings. What happened to the rings? And you know, I, I start backtracking where I was over the past half hour. And like, where are the rings? I can't find the rings anywhere. Finally, I'm panicking. So I, I tell one of the groomsmen, not the groom, but one of the groomsmen. I said, Chris, I can't find the rings. He's like, what? And so we together are starting to search everywhere. But as guests are coming in, five minutes before the wedding, we were both literally on the floor looking not for people's legs, but looking for the rings. And we still couldn't find the rings. Finally, there's one minute before the ceremony was about to start. He says, take off your jacket. I'm like, okay, take off my jacket. So I take off the jacket and then he puts it on the table. And Chris, he starts to pat the jacket. He pats the jacket and you want to He felt something at the very bottom of the suit. He thought, I think it's the rings. He fished the rings out of the suit and we looked at the pocket and when we finally looked at the pocket, we realized there's a tiny hole in the pocket, just big enough for the rings to fall through. And they landed in the inseam of my jacket. Oh my goodness. Safe to say I never rented another suit from that company again. <laughs> And whoever said that being a best man is easy? Oh my goodness, that was such a stressful moment. The groom had no idea, praise God. But hey, why do I share the story with all of you of a time when I was looking for something, trying to find it, and actually found it in a place I didn't expect? It's because sometimes we find what we're looking for in unexpected places. You see, for you, maybe you're here and you never thought you'd step into a church 
Maybe you're online. You know, I never thought I'd check out a church, but here you are. Maybe given the stuff that has happened to you over the past little while or the stuff that's been on your mind, you're like, you know what? Maybe I'll check out a church. I'm so glad that you're here. And see, here's the thing. For a lot of us, these past two years have been like a hurricane. These past two years of COVID, this pandemic, it's been like a storm that has blown through our lives and has you know, basically disrupted so much of life as we know it. And now, I don't know about you, but I find this, so many of us are just trying to pick up the pieces again and trying to find stuff that we've lost. Maybe find a sense of direction again. Find a sense of hope again. Find a sense of purpose again. Find a sense of joy again. And as strong as you've tried to be for your family during this time, as strong as you've tried to be for your kids during this time, as strong as you've tried to be for your staff or for your company or for the people in your care, if you had to be really honest with yourself, you have to admit that you've lost something. That maybe you've lost a sense of motivation or sense of identity, and you don't really know who you are anymore, let me tell you this. We're doing a series here at Thrive Church over the next several weeks. It's called Find Your Life Again. And I want to tell you something really important that you need to know, is that the biggest key to finding your life again is not luck. It's not working really hard. It's not thinking differently. The biggest key is experiencing Jesus Christ. And it's because over and over in the Bible, Jesus describes himself as the life. He'll say stuff like, I am the resurrection and the life. He'll say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He'll say, I have come that you may have life and life to the full. Everyone say life. And see, here's the thing. Over and over, Jesus would connect himself to life. And if what Jesus says is true, what that means is this, is that if you want to find your life again, you need to take a good look, a good, close, long look at Jesus, who is the life. And in this series called Find Your Life Again, what we're going to do is we're going to discover, or in some cases, rediscover who Jesus is by looking at one of the most famous, most beloved books that have ever been written. It was written by one of Jesus' closest and first disciples. His name is John, and the book is called The Gospel of John. And see, maybe you're here and you've never read the Bible before. My hope is this, is that we look together at the Gospel of John over the next several weeks together, that something's going to unlock for you. My hope is that you're going to find that as you're looking at Jesus in the Gospel of John, that you're going to realize something, that in Jesus Christ, there is life. That there is real life for you. And that when you get to know Jesus and you start to have a relationship with Jesus, that it changes things in your life. You're able to find joy again. You're able to find purpose again. You're able to find your identity again. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's time to find your life again. And maybe you're here and you've read the gospel of John before. My prayer for you is that this series is going to open up your eyes to see things in this book that you never saw before and help you to recover something that maybe you have lost as well. See, today the message is called, Who is Jesus? And what we're going to do is we're going to start at the very beginning of the gospel of John. We're going to look at the first five verses only. I'm going to unpack these five verses for you. And then I'm going to tell you what this has anything to do with Easter today. Look at John chapter one, verse one to five with me and read it in a big, loud voice together right now. What does it say? It says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of mankind. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. Okay, what does that all mean? Let me begin by asking you a question. Do you have a nickname? Maybe your friends call you a nickname. 
Maybe your family calls you a nickname. On the count of three, could you just tell me what your nickname is? In your chat rooms, write down your nickname on the count of three. One, two, three. Tell me your nickname. What's your nickname? No one has a nickname? You're too shy to say? It can be embarrassed? Okay, well, I'm not embarrassed to tell you. Let me tell you a couple nicknames that I have. One nickname I have is JB. In fact, more people know me by my nickname than by my actual name. And a lot of people are like, what does JB stand for? Well, my dad's name is Billy. And a lot of people assume that JB stands for Junior Billy. But it doesn't. <laughs> It doesn't. Uh, you know, when I lived in Taiwan, there was a guy who something came up to me and said, hey, what does JB stand for? Does it stand for junior boy? And I'm like, man, the fact that you can insult me so well in English shows that your English is so good. You know, and then you know, another one was that you know, some people, oh, so, so J stands for Justin? Yes. What does the B stand for? Bieber? And, 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 and it's, it, it doesn't. It doesn't. And I won't tell you what the B stands for, but yes, the J stands for Justin. And suffice to say is that I've got a couple nicknames. That's the first one. The second, see, I, I, people know me by my nickname, JB, but there's a second nickname and only one person calls, it, calls me that nickname. You know what that nickname is? The nickname is... Honey melon. <laughs> honey melon, right? You say, hi, honey melon. And uh, honey melon is the word or the nickname that the one person in the world calls, it to me, calls me that. It's Pastor Charlene. <laughs> well, at least she used to call me that. When we back, back 20 years ago when we were dating, that's what she would call me. She doesn't really call me that anymore. <laughs> But, and I always wonder, why honey melon? I, I, I started to realize, you know, this is my theory. When I look in the mirror and I see these muscles, you know, what, what better name to describe the size and the sweetness of these muscles than honey melons? Well, that, that's just my theory. But that, that's, that's not why she calls me honey melon. But, but here, here's the thing. is why I'm going to talk about nicknames right now. It's because to introduce Jesus to an audience that doesn't really know him yet, John gives Jesus a nickname. And he gives him the nickname, the word, the word, which means in Greek, logos. And see, the nickname, the word, was meaningful to Jewish people who he was writing to because over and over in the Hebrew Bible, in the Old Testament, God would say that God spoke the word and things happened. God spoke the word and the universe was created. God spoke the word and people were healed. God spoke the word and people were saved. And so it was this idea that for Jewish people, the word was how God expressed himself. Jewish people, they would read verse one of John one and they say, oh, in the beginning was the word. And they immediately think back to the very first book of the Bible, Genesis one, which says in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And they make that connection. Oh yeah, the word, I get that. And not just for Jewish people was the word meaningful, but if you were Greek back then, and John was writing to Greeks as well, a nickname like the word was meaningful because Greeks, especially Greek philosophers, would talk about the word, logos. How logos, the word, is the thing that brings this whole universe together. It's like the starting point of everything. And so for Greeks, it was a meaningful name. And because John believed that Jesus is for everybody, for people, regardless of your culture, regardless of your background, regardless of your race, regardless of your culture, John is making this nickname available to people so that people from different cultures can relate to Jesus. He calls Jesus the word. And see, not just that, but in these five short verses, John is making some huge statements about who Jesus is. And see, just check this out. These are some of the most biggest, boldest statements that anyone's ever written about anyone. Check out verse one with me again. What does it say? It says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. In other words, what's John saying? He's saying Jesus 
is no ordinary human being. That Jesus is not just someone who existed in my day. He existed from the very beginning. Jesus is no ordinary being. Jesus is God. He's not just human. He's also God. Whether you believe that or not, that's what John is saying in verses one and two. Verse three, he says, and through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In other words, what is John saying? He's saying that through Jesus, God made this universe. That somehow Jesus plays this indispensable, irreplaceable role in the making of this universe. Verse four, what does it say? It says, in him was life. And that life was the light of mankind. In other words, what does he mean? He's saying, in Jesus Christ, we find life. We find real life, life that we can't find anywhere else, life that we can't get from anyone else. And so he's saying that that life is the light of mankind. In other words, this life from Jesus is for everybody. And just as light, just as when you see the sun shining through, it brings warmth, it brings joy, it brings heat, it brings energy, it brings life, it brings strength, it brings clarity, it brings wisdom, it brings hope. In the same way, Jesus, the life we have in him is a light that brings us joy, hope, energy, like wisdom, clarity, you know, warmth into our lives. So if you believe that, say amen. Verse five, what does it say? It says, the light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not overcome it. What is John saying? He's saying, the light that comes from finding life in Jesus Christ is so powerful that there is no dark situation you can be in today that can overcome that light. See, you could be in a really dark situation right now. Maybe in your marriage, things are really dark right now. Maybe when it comes to your health or the health of someone you love, things are really dark right now. Maybe when it comes to your future or your finances, things are really dark right now. Can I tell you this? You can be in a really dark situation, but if you have the life that we find in Jesus, you have a light that is stronger than the dark. Amen. See, these are big, bold statements that John is making about Jesus Christ. And the question is, how... Can he make these kind of statements? See, what would cause John, who's not stupid, who's a grown man, what would cause John to make these kind of extreme conclusions about Jesus? He's not just a human being, he is God. How could he even come to that kind of conclusion? You know, he, Jesus, you know, he's a human being, isn't he? You know, John, he spent three years with him. He ate with him. He saw him go to the bathroom. He saw him stressed. He saw him tired. He saw him hungry. He saw him thirsty. He saw him angry. He saw him upset. And still, despite all those things, John would say, this guy is God. What would it take for him to say something like that? See, what would it take for John to not just write these conclusions down, but want to share that with everybody and give his life for the things he's talking about? See, you need to know something about John's journey. See, by this time, John is probably about 70 years old. And the Christian community is really young, and he is a respected leader in that community. He's an apostle. In other words, he's a pastor. He's a church planter. Not just that, he is by this time a rare treasure in the Christian community because he's one of Jesus' first and closest disciples, and there's not a whole lot left of them anymore. But see, John wasn't always that way. You see, John grew up as a Jewish boy going to the temple with his family every year. 
And he would go to the temple in Jerusalem, but once a year, and there he'd see a priest sacrifice a lamb for the forgiveness of people's sins. It was the idea that if you want to be forgiven, a sacrifice had to be made without the forgiveness, without, without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. And so he'd go to the temple once a year. And then every Saturday, John, he would go with his family to the synagogue. Oh, synagogue again. And he's probably really bored in synagogue. What are they going to talk about today? But they would often talk about this, that one day God's going to send a savior, a Messiah to save his people, whatever that means. And see, one day when John is a young adult, John hears a famous respected preacher called the Baptist. His name is also John, but we're calling him the Baptist. The Baptist says something that strikes John in the heart. He says, look, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And when John hears it, he sees what the Baptist is doing. And the Baptist is not pointing to a actual physical animal lamb. He's not talking about a lamb. He's talking about his younger cousin, Jesus. And all of a sudden, it sparks a curiosity in John. Like, who is Jesus? And as John starts to get to know Jesus Christ, he would start to follow Jesus Christ. And as he followed Jesus Christ, he would start to hear Jesus making these outrageous claims about himself. For example, you know, Jesus, he made some crazy claims. He would say stuff like, I am the bread of life. No, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. What? You want us to eat your flesh and drink your blood? You're telling us to be cannibals? My, 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 my older son, he would, he, would, he would hear that and go, bruh, what? See, it's like, it's like, what is that? You know, another one is, before Abraham was, I am. That's what Jesus said. And people like John thinking, who does he think he is? This guy is 33 years old, and he's saying that he is older than Abraham, who lived 1,500 years before him? Like, what is he talking about? Another crazy statement. You know, Jesus says, destroy this temple, and I will raise it up again in three days. People are like, what are you talking about? And another one he says is, your sins are forgiven. And not just I, as a human being, forgive your sins, but it's God forgives you. And people are like, who do you think you are that you can speak on God's behalf? It's like Jesus would say stuff that made you think, does this guy actually think he's God? And see, not just that, Jesus would talk as if believing in him was the only way to be forgiven, was the only way to really be forgiven and to be going to heaven and be with God one day. You know, John 8, 24, he says this, he says, unless you believe that I am who I claim to be, you will die in your sins. In other words, Jesus saying all of us, every single one of us are sinners, that we have all separated ourselves from God, from the life of God because of our sin. What is sin? Sin is that tendency in us to want to do things and say things and, and think things that are our way, not God's way. It's like God to hell with what you think. I'm going to live life the way I want to live it. And in living that way, in rebelling against God, we turn away from him, we distance ourselves from him, and we separate ourselves from the life of God. That's why the Bible says that the wages of our sin is death, that every one of us, we've messed up. And the consequence for that is that we die, not just physically, but that we are separated from the life of God forever. And see, a lot of religious teachers, both back then in John's day and here today, they'll say that, you know, if you want to go to heaven, if you want to be with God, it's all about what you have to do to impress God. 
You have to do, go, go through some kind of program of becoming a better person. You got to go through some kind of performance of doing a lot of good things. Somehow you can earn your way to heaven if you're good enough. And people who aren't religious, they kind of think that as well. Oh yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm a pretty good person. Yeah, I think you know, my, good, my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds. So I think God will be impressed by that. And see, Jesus, he, he, he looks at all that and says, no. He says something completely, entirely different. He says, you can't impress God with your resume. Because God is so much holier, so much bigger, so much more perfect than you think. What you need isn't a program. What you need isn't your performance to get you to heaven. What you need is a person, and that person is me, says Jesus. What you need is not a religion. What you need is not rules to follow. What you need is a relationship, and that relationship is with me. And see, unless you have me, you have no life in you. In John 14, 6, he says this, says, Jesus told him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You know, if someone in Vancouver were to say these things out loud in public, you would think this guy is either crazy or he's lying. Either way, he is a narrow-minded bigot. He's a hater. He's arrogant. We need to cancel him out. That's what we'd say in Vancouver if we heard that out loud. But see, the reason why John would continue to follow Jesus and would continue to just kind of look at what Jesus is, is because of the other things Jesus would do and say. Is that how, you know, with just a spoken word, Jesus could speak a word and a sick person is healed. Jesus, just with a spoken word, he could calm a storm. Just with a spoken word, he could raise a dead person to life. He would give sight to the blind. Just with a spoken word, he would command nature. How Jesus, he would serve people, not with an arrogance, like, look how powerful I am, but he'd serve with a humility and a compassion that let people know that they are loved, that gave people a kind of dignity that they couldn't find anywhere else. He would reach out to people that society had written off. He'd reach out to prostitutes, tax collectors, children who were like, oh, get, get away from me. They'd be like, Jesus would let them come. And see, Jesus, he would teach scripture as if he really knew what he was talking about, as if he somehow knew the author. And he would make people who were far from God feel at home with him. And see, even more than what Jesus did or said while he lived, what had the biggest impact on John was what happened when Jesus died. See, after Jesus was betrayed, after he was arrested, after he was charged for crimes that he didn't commit, after he was flogged, whipped, beaten, tortured, mocked, a crown of thorns placed on his head, Jesus, he's standing before the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, and at the behest of a crowd full of religious leaders who are wanting Jesus to be dead and killed, Pilate sentences Jesus to death on a cross, death by crucifixion, the way any criminal would die. And when Jesus dies on the cross and he's buried, everyone, including John, thinks, that's it. It's over. Whatever hope we had in this teacher is gone. We just have his teachings. We'll live with his teachings, I guess. But on the third day after Jesus was buried, some of Jesus' women followers, they go to Jesus' tomb. And when they go to the tomb to maybe decorate and take care of the tomb, they find the tomb empty. They're like, oh my goodness, what's going on? Where's the body? They go back to the male disciples. They're like, we found the tomb empty. John is the first one to run to the tomb. And he sees that the stone that was blocking the tomb has been rolled away. 
He sees that the guards that were guarding the tomb, they're not nowhere to be found. And when John looks into the tomb, what he sees is not a dead body. What he sees is the strips of linen that were wrapped around Jesus' body and the, the head cloth that he wore on his head neatly folded to the side. And he thinks to himself, what is going on? And behind locked doors, the disciples, including John, are there fearing for their lives and wondering what is going on? Where is Jesus' body? When in a sudden, in a sudden moment, Jesus appears before them. And not only does Jesus appear before them once, but over and over, over the next 40 days, Jesus would eat with them. He would do Bible study with them. He would embrace them. He would cook breakfast for them. And over the course of 40 days, Jesus wouldn't come as a ghost or as an apparition, but he'd say, see my hands and my feet. Look, the wounds that he had at the cross, he still had on him, except for that he was fully alive and healthier than he'd ever been before. And over 40 days, Jesus appeared to over 500 people, not just people who believed in him, even more to people who didn't believe in him, skeptics, critics, opponents of his, and all this before he ascended back to heaven. And see, it was because of all this that John realizes that Jesus is more than a great teacher. Jesus is more than just a miracle worker. Jesus is more than just my friend. Jesus is the Son of God. And if Jesus is the Son of God, what that means is that Jesus did exist long before Abraham existed. If Jesus is the Son of God, what that means is that Jesus, he, he commands nature. He commands nature because he made nature. You know, the reason why Jesus explains and preaches the word of God with authority is because it's his word. He is the word. You know, the the reason death can't hold Jesus down is because Jesus is the son of God and by nature, God doesn't stay dead. That's Jesus. And see, the only reason why Jesus would even die in the first place is because he did it out of love for you and for me. It's because without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. And even though we were the ones who deserved to die because of our sins, Jesus instead took our place on the cross so that we could be forgiven, so that we could have a way back to God. And now John realizes that the reason why Jesus would say, no one comes to the Father except through me, is not because because Jesus was arrogant or bigoted or narrow-minded or hating on other faiths. It's because Jesus came to do what no one else has done. Jesus is the Lamb of God who died for our sins. And see, when we couldn't reach for God in love, God reached for us. That's the unconditional love of God for you. Would you turn to him and say, God loves you so much? And that's why John 3.16, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And you know, to prove that all that Jesus said is true and trustworthy and reliable. Jesus didn't just die, but Jesus rose again. Jesus didn't just do what every other religious teacher has done, which is say a whole bunch of things about God, a whole bunch of things about how you get to heaven, a whole bunch of things about how to secure a good afterlife, a whole bunch of things about who you are, your personal life, and then they died, you never heard from them again. Jesus wasn't that way. Jesus said a whole bunch of those things, and to prove that he knew what he was talking about, he rose again and said, I told you so. That's because Jesus is who he claims to be. And that's why when you read the Gospel of John, as we will the next several weeks together, you're going to get the sense that John is writing about the greatest thing that has ever happened to this world. And he's writing about the most important thing that anybody on this planet needs to know. And not only did this message change John's life and billions of lives ever since, it's still changing lives today.
You know, today I want to introduce a friend of mine to you. His name is Howard. Howard, he's the senior vice president of an avionics company that produces in-flight attendant equipment for some of the biggest airlines in the world. Uh, he's one very smart cookie. Uh, he's married to a beautiful, smart wife, and they have two wonderful kids who are a beloved part of our church family here at Thrive. And he's here to share a little bit of his story with us right now. Would you please welcome my friend Howard as he brings the story to us today. Hello, everyone. Good morning. My name is Howard, and it's my honor to be here to share with you what amazing things Jesus has done for me in my life. I was born in Taiwan, and I came to Canada to study engineering in 1998. After graduating from UBC, I worked for a couple of companies, and my life was quite ordinary and peaceful. In 2005, my life had a dramatic change. While I was studying for my doctorate degree, my mom was diagnosed with stage 4 cancer. All of us were shocked and trying to cope with the situation. Unfortunately, my mom passed away in 2006, and the loss of my mom was too much for my dad to bear. As a result, he could not manage his company, and he asked me to drop whatever I was doing to help him. It was a tough decision for me, because the pursuit of PhD was what I wanted to do, and also my mom's last wish. If I drop out of the program, everything I did would be in vain. Just losing one parent, I looked at my father and saw the weak, trembling figures I had never seen in my dad, and a company that was a mess and without leadership. At the time, it seemed to be the right decision to help my dad manage his business, and so I did. I joined my father's company so that my dad could take the time he needed to recover from the loss of my mom. I immediately implemented changes in the company. Within a few years, we managed to improve efficiency by 50%, double the revenue, made a record profit. I saw my father would be pleased with the result and he would be able to retire early as he always wanted. Four years later, my dad decided to come back to work and when he came back, he realized that a lot of things were different because all the changes I implemented. I saw was I was making him proud, but instead, my father did not accept anything, workers and plants they were not in line with him. He fired managers and engineers who had helped to improve business operation. Even my credibility was undermined in front of customers. I was furious. I did not understand why my own father would do those things to disregard me. I gave up my almost finished PhD study and my mom's last dire aspiration for me. At the end, I felt I was betrayed, like a used tool. I was really hurt and got depressed by the whole situation. During that period, I made a fortune teller who claimed to be able to help me cope with my anger. I was told that because what I did to my father in my previous life, I needed to pay the debt in this life in the next three years. She also advised me to make donations to the temple so that I can reduce any troubles coming my way. For some reason, hearing those words brought me some comfort. I somehow endured all kinds of hurt my father inflicted on me for the next three years. But things did not get better. Um, after three years, so I went back to her to ask why. She said I probably need another three years to pay off my past life debt to my father and I should continue to donate to the temple so that my life can be easier. I felt that I was hopelessly trapped in this cycle and I have no way to get out, like I had to keep my, my peace. One day in 2 December 2018, 
I was talking to a parent while picking up my son from school. He invited me to the Christmas service at Shrine Church. Since it was held around lunchtime and I was told there would be pizzas, I agreed to come. During the sermon, I heard how God regularly and intentionally go out of his way to show his love to his children. And that is exactly how Jesus will love us. In fact, at that moment, I realized that I do not have to worry the debt accumulated from any previous life. And God is not angry with me. God loves me unconditionally, and he sent Jesus to die on the cross to pay for our sins so that we can be forgiven. All I need to do is accept Jesus into my life. What a comforting thought to me. On that day at Strive Church, Pastor JB gave invitation to anyone who wants to receive the love and the forgiveness that Jesus made possible on the cross. So I raised my hand and accepted Jesus as my Savior. Then shortly after, my wife and I were baptized on March 10th, 2019 at Strive. Since receiving Jesus into my life, I started to experience the peace I never felt before. Though I still experience rejection and hurtful words from my earthly father, love, my ha- love for my family father has sustained me. I'm not depressed anymore. Pressure from my father is still there, but I have learned to give my burdens to God, and I'm learning to forgive my dad. Even through the pandemic and all the changes and uncertainties in my life, having Jesus has been my anchor for both me and my family. I can feel content and I'm at peace because Jesus is all I need. I want to serve Jesus and lead more people to him. Praise you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, everyone, for listening to my story today. Praise God. When Howard experienced Jesus, he found life like he never found it before. And it's just no wonder that John chapter 1, verse 4 says, In him was life, and that life was the light of mankind. That light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And before I ask the band to lead you in a song, let me just say one last thing. If I had to be really transparent with all of you, today I would say that the past two months of February and March of this year were the two toughest months for me personally over the past two years of this pandemic. And I'll tell you why. It's because whether you know this or not, we actually planned to be here opening on-site services for a new building back at the end of January, early February. You know why we didn't? You know why today is the first time we're here? It's because of Omicron. (laughs) And we were like, you know what? We're so looking forward to seeing everybody again. I was so looking forward to that, but it just didn't make sense with cases surging for us to on-site open right now. And so we decided to make the tough decision as a team to say we're going to postpone the the time we're going to do on-site services until two and a half months later. That's the next time that this place would be available. And I knew that was probably the best decision for our team. But I know that for me personally, it would be a really hard decision. And it was. Because believe it or not, you guys mean so very much to me. Just missing seeing you guys, missing seeing your faces, hearing your voices. I had two years of it already. I was like, you know what? I don't, I don't know if I can do much more. And you know, it's one of those things where I pray, God, would you get me to Easter? Just get me to Easter. And it, like, it almost felt like a butterfly, almost like you know, when a caterpillar gets into a cocoon and they're just kind of waiting before they can fly. And that's kind of how I felt. And as a result, I was really into butterflies these past couple of weeks. 
You know, I went to Richmond Public Library and I bought, I bought, bought, I borrowed all the books on butterflies that there are, and they're, they're all in my car right now. And, 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 here's, and I also asked our team to create an Easter invitation with a butterfly on it. I don't know if you saw it, and there's a butterfly there. And, and to me, it was one of those things where, you know, do you know how a butterfly is formed? Is that you, you, it starts off as a caterpillar, you know, the hungry caterpillar, eats a bunch of stuff forms a cocoon, or technically what's called a chrysalis. And in that chrysalis, its body starts to break down. Its life, as, it, as, he, know, as he knows it, is starting to break down. It becomes a soupy mixture. Eventually, there's you know, no, nothing left of the caterpillar anymore. There, but then soon enough, a new body forms. You know, soon enough, new parts form and new structure forms. No longer is it a caterpillar, it's becoming a butterfly. And then in time, the butterfly, it breaks out of its cocoon, its chrysalis. It pumps blood through its wings and it's ready to fly. And you know, when I would look at this butterfly on the Easter invitation, I would think to myself, that's our church. That's Thrive Church. You know, that's, that's me. That's you. You might feel like you've been in this cocoon, this dark cocoon, and your life as you know it has been breaking down. And you're like, what's happening with my life? I'm losing the stuff that I'm so used to. I'm losing my connections. I'm losing my purpose. I'm losing my hope. What's going on? But can I tell you this? God is not done with your story. God is writing a greater story with your life. And it's because in him is life. And that life is the light of mankind. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness cannot overcome it. Oh, come on. Give God a big hand and show up this place right now. Anyone? You might be going through the darkest time of your life right now. Confused, frustrated, hopeless, uncertain. But can I tell you this? If you have Jesus Christ in your life, look at me right now. If you've got Jesus Christ in your life, you have the light of humanity in your life. And there is nothing that the darkness can do to take that away from you. And if Jesus Christ, the Son of God, conquered your two biggest problems in life, if he conquered your sin at the cross by his blood, if he conquered death at the resurrection where he rose, then how will he not help you through and overcome the dark situation that you're in today? Oh, come on, give God a big hand to shelf list right now. It's because in Jesus Christ, we can always say the best is yet to come. And so with that in mind, would you do this right now? Would you stand to your feet? We're gonna sing a song together. We're gonna to declare Jesus in our lives today. Alice is gonna sing, you're gonna sing. Let's give God our praise. And after that, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. Let's give God all of our praise in this place. Come on, give God a shout, give God your let me tell you this, today we, be, we began today by saying that finding your life again isn't about luck. It's not about hard work on your part alone. It's not about you just learning to think differently. But finding your life again is about experiencing Jesus Christ. Experiencing Jesus all begins with taking this next step that we're gonna to take together right now. It's as simple as praying a prayer. And if you wanna pray this prayer with me, I want to encourage you to do this right now. If you're watching online, why don't you click the link that's in your chat room right now and it'll take you to this prayer that we're going to pray together. If you're here on site right now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you realize today that you need Jesus Christ in your life and you want to ask him for his forgiveness, 
because in him there is life. And I encourage you right now with every head bowed, not looking around, but just being you and God, would you lift up your hand to God? Lift up your hand to Jesus. And one of our ushers is going to give to you a card with that same prayer that our online family is looking at as well. Just lift up your hand, and an usher will kind of give you that card. There's nothing dangerous about it. It's simply something to use so you can pray this prayer that we're going to pray just now. So go ahead and click that link in your chat room. Scan that QR code that's on your screen. The usher is going to come and give you that card, and that you're going to use that to pray together so you have something to read. So with that in mind, if you're opening up your heart to Jesus today, why don't you pray this prayer with me? It's an invitation to every single person here, whether you've been to church before or not, whether you come from a Christian background or not, it's not about that. It's about you and God. God loves you because he loves you because he loves you. And the best thing, the happiest thing you could do today is to ask Jesus through this prayer that he forgive you of your sins and come into your heart. And if that's you and you realize when you want, you want to do that, lift up your hand to God, click that link, scan that QR code on your screen. I want you to pray this prayer with me right now. Say, dear Jesus, dear Jesus thank, you thank you that because you love me, you died on the cross to pay for my sins. You rose again to give me life. Today, I open up my heart and I ask you, please forgive me of all my sins and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Today, I place my trust not in what I do, but in what you've done for me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you give God a big hand, a big shout, let's play together right now. Hey, if you prayed that prayer and you meant that prayer, whether you had that card in your hand or that screen in front of you or not, the fact is if you prayed that prayer and you meant that prayer, then according to the Bible, congratulations. You are forgiven of your sins. You are a child of God. It's not because I so, say so, it's because Jesus says so. And it's with that in mind that we've got some special gifts to give. You want to go to the bottom of that page that you prayed that prayer on, or later on you go to the Welcome Center, those of you who are here on site. We have a gift that we'd love to give to you just to congratulate you on making that decision to ask Jesus into your life today. Congratulations. And on top of that, we, can, we, we ask you to do things. One is keep on coming to church. Every baby needs a spiritual family to grow up in. We'd love to be your spiritual family here at Vive Church. On top of that, we encourage you to get baptized. Baptism isn't a graduation, it's a beginning. It's you simply saying, I've received Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I know He loves me unconditionally. Can we give God a big hand, a big shout, and let's play together right now. Praise God. Hello everyone, welcome to Thrive Church. I hope you have an amazing time at Thrive today, celebrating Easter with us. My name is Marizal and I will spend a few minutes to go through some announcements of you and what's coming up here at Thrive. If this is your first time visiting us, we would love to connect with you. We want to give you a Thrive stainless steel water bottle to thank you for spending your time with us. Simply visit mythrive.info and click New to Thrive or text NEW to 604-285-5770. We will mail the water bottle straight to your mailing address. If you're on site with us at Lapont Place, we're so honoured you're here. You can pick up your gifts at the Welcome Centre by the exit door after the service. If you pray the prayer to receive Jesus into your life today, we want to celebrate this moment with you by giving you a very, very beautiful Thrive mug. 
We also want to send you a series of videos recorded by Pastor JB and Pastor Charlene that may answer some of your questions about Christianity. So, if you've received Jesus today, let us know by texting BELIEF to 604-285-5770 or by visiting mythrive.info and click I want to ask Jesus into my life. You can also pick up this very special gift at the Welcome Center by the Exodore on your way out today. Meet the Pastors on Zoom is happening next Sunday, April 24th at 1.30 p.m. This is for those who recently start coming to Thrive Church both online and on site. It's a very casual online event for you to connect with us, to make some friends and to ask any questions you have about Thrive. Our lead pastors, Pastor JB and Pastor Charlene, will also be there to personally meet and greet you. To sign up, simply visit mythrive.info. I'm sure it's going to be a lot of fun. Come join us. I know it can still be a little bit chillier in Vancouver and summer is still a few months away. But if you're a parent with kids ages 3 to 9, you might be planning for your summer activities already. With that in mind, here's something you don't want to miss and I strongly encourage you to save the date for our very first Thrive Kids VBS Summer Camp happening on August 2nd to August 5th from 9am to 12pm. That is August 2nd to August 5th from 9am to 12pm. During this four-day summer camp, your children will learn about what they can do to make a positive impact and change the world around them through engaging lessons, fun activities, and most importantly, God's words. I'm sure your children will have a blast, so make sure you save the date and stay tuned for registration info in the coming weeks. That is all for the announcements today. Don't forget to give your tithes and offerings online at mythrive.info. Have a wonderful Easter long weekend. We look forward to seeing you again next Sunday for the continuation of our brand new message series called Find Your Life Again. Stay blessed.